Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined here today in the studio by Dave Ackman. We'll be joined a little later on by Kyle McCarthy of MLSnet.com. Uh, lots to talk about tonight. There was a game on Thursday, and there's another game uh, kicking off less than an hour from now. Uh, Thursday night's game is going to one the Revs are going to want to forget. A three to nothing loss to the Colorado Rapids, who have really been struggling this season. Uh, they were on an 11 game winless streak. Uh, even lost five to nothing to the Seattle Sounders in the U.S. Open Cup action. Very embarrassing for them that game. But they really turned things around since then with a Big victory, one to nothing over the Houston Dynamo, the defending MLS champs, who are right up near the top of the table with the Revs. And then against the Revs, a three to nothing victory on Thursday. So Colorado's a team that's now only three points away from a playoff spot, uh, but the Revs could be should be very disappointed with the performance. They weren't without Steve Ralston, but otherwise had a full lineup. Uh, Pat Noonan went down injured early, early, uh, but they scored in the tenth minute, and the Revs really never looked like coming back. Yeah, I think that first goal really seemed to get them back on the wrong heel. It was kind of a messy goal, and when you get that, you know, especially away from home at the altitude, it really takes a lot out of your team, and it seemed like they never really bounced back from that. It's disappointing that after Reese made that initial save that uh, none of the Revs were able to get there before uh, Colorado's Joan Krabowski was able to get there and put it home. Uh, there were lots of Revolution players in the box, but none of them reacted quick enough to stop that goal. And then the penalty kick, uh, Jay Heaps really a bad foul for him to commit there. Uh, Andy Dorman was beaten by Colin Clark. Dorman probably should have done better, maybe should have you know, pressured him more to the outside rather than going in for a tackle there, but uh, Heaps was caught too. Uh, so really a bad defensive play there that led to uh, a deserved penalty kick, and then Matt Reese really couldn't do anything. We're, we're used to Matt Reese doing some great performances on penalties. This year he really hasn't looked as sharp, but he has been going up against some very good penalty takers. Yeah, I mean, penalties are always a tough spot for a keeper. I mean, even if you're a great penalty kick, I mean, you, you know, it's a tough to, to make a save from that spot, especially, you know, you're you're in front of a big crowd, and the guys, you know, they can, they can slot those home pretty easily. And then uh, the final goal coming in the 76th minute after Omar Cummings really blew, ba- blew past Michael Parkhurst. Uh, Parkhurst, really, speed isn't necessarily his strength. Great defender positionally, uh, but he was left out to dry there by his fellow defense defenders there who really didn't have any support from him at all. Uh, Cummings beat Parkers, as I said, and then finished past Matt Reese. Uh, by that point, the game was over. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's one of those where, you know, you're pushing forward, trying to find a way maybe to get back into the game, and, you know, you leave your defenders on an island back there, and it's just, you know, as you said, Cummings really just had the speed and, you know, a great lofted through ball in the air. No chance for Parkers to head it away, and so it was just a foot race, and Parkers not going to win that one no matter how good he is positionally and, you know, intellectually. That's just a pure speed race, and he got beat. And the Revs really didn't have that many chances at all. It really was a domina- dominating performance by Colorado. Uh, Kurowski could have had a hat trick. He had a, a shot off the post. Uh, the few Revs' chances were both by Twelman, the two that I can uh, come to mind as being legitimate chances. The first being a header where actually rose above uh, Colorado's goalkeeper. Should have done better with that one. He put it just wide of the target. He said it deflected. I didn't see a deflection on the replay. The ref didn't call one either. 
uh, probably could have done better on that. Twelman has had a lot of chances lately where uh, he has been scoring a couple goals, but uh, he should be putting away a few more of the, those that he has had. Yeah, it seems like he's had, you know, his share. Even in the L.A. game where he got the winner, it was still, you know, maybe his fifth chance of the game on that one. And I think you look at that, and he had a couple different chances and still, you know, didn't put any of those away. So, I mean, the goals will come. It's proven that he's, you know, he can score. It's just going to be one of those things where once he gets a couple good goals, you know, they'll all start falling in for him. It's interesting because before the Gold Cup, he was scoring, you know, at the top of the league uh, pace higher than anybody else. Now, after the Gold Cup, he really slowed down in his scoring, hasn't been scoring as much. Uh, but it's not just the offense that's the problem for the Revs. In fact, I'd say it's the, mostly the defense. On the defense, who's really been inconsistent this year. They lead the league with eight shutouts, but at the same time, they have five games where they've given up three or more goals, which really isn't a stat Steve Nichol, as a defender himself, is going to be happy about. Yeah, definitely. That kind of, you know, if you give up no goals, I mean, you're, you're always in the chance to at least get one point. You know, when they start having these games where, you know, they're starting to give up three points, I mean, uh, three goals, I don't care what, you know, who you have on offense, Twelman, Noonan, I mean, it's going to be tough for a team to score three goals. So, I mean, they have those games where they have, you know, zero goals, one goal. You know, it's a much different story. But, you know, as you said, they're very, very inconsistent. And I'm not sure what it is because it's not like they're losing too many of their defenders game to game. Particularly at home where you expect the team to go out and get a shutout. You know, they've had the game against Kansas City, uh, who, as you mentioned, they're playing tonight. Uh, That game back in May where they lost 4-3, to gave up four goals. I believe that a game against Columbus where they tied 3-3. to I think that was at home as well. And then uh, a little... I believe actually two weeks ago today, uh, they lost 3 nothing at home to D.C. United. Uh, at home, this team where they play on the turf, they seem to play better on the turf. Uh, it's disappointing particularly to see at home them have you know that, that many defensive lapses. Yeah, definitely. You'd think you come home, you're trying to get you know as many points as you can at home and take your chances on the road, but it seems like you know that home field advantage that they used to have just isn't quite as strong as it is this year. Maybe it is the switch to the turf. Maybe they're just you know even if they're playing a little better, maybe it's giving the other teams a better you know even a better chance than themselves. I'm not sure what the difference is, but you know as you said, they're giving up three goals on at home against uh, DC. They gave up four earlier against KC, and that's the thing kind of things that you weren't expecting last year. I think they started the season with a maybe five or six game unbeaten streak at home, but you know since then they've really been inconsistent uh, at Gillette Stadium. They haven't really been playing that well at all. When it started when the grass was put down, I believe, for the Gold Cup, and that's when the uh, bad form began. Uh, you blame it on the grass then, and that's a little bit bit of a stretch to excuse it on that. But it's continued after that, even when when the turf is back. So it's disappointing to see that, and then it's disappointing to see them go on the road against a team like Colorado that really they should beat. Uh, obviously, at the altitude, it's tough, but uh, Colorado hasn't been having a good home record at all this season. Good record, period. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you, it's always, as you said, it's always a tough trip up there. You know, Mexico City, you see how the U.S. plays even there. But, I mean, you know, you see Colorado, and they're just not, you know, or at least hadn't been earlier in the season a great team. Maybe they're starting to turn it around. You know, they they make the trade with Beckerman and things like that. So maybe they're making some institutional changes in there. But, I mean, you don't expect the Revs, you know, top of the league, and, you know, to go in and just throw down two stinkers in two weeks. And I think the the other big uh, change Colorado made is Colin Clark. He's a guy that came in last year, but it didn't really see much time. But uh, I believe the fa- past two games, they both started both of them. That's uh, really given them another option on the left to complement Terry Cook, which has made them a lot more dangerous, particularly against the Revolution, who are missing a guy like Steve Ralston. I think Steve Ralston's in there. Maybe you can nullify a guy like Colin, Colin Clark. Colin Clark is really the one who caused the Revs the most problems all night. He caused the PK. He scored. He had the assist on uh, Omar Cummings' goal. He set up Kowalski uh, on that shot that hit the post, and I think he set him up several other times too. So he, they've been making some good good adjustments to the lineup to turn things around. Uh, it's 
just coming a little late for them. At this point, who knows whether or not Colorado's going to be able to have enough to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I thought Clark really played well that game. And, I mean, as you said, you know, it's getting towards the end of the season. But they're only three points out with this new format, you know. As long as they're three points out, it's only one game. And, I mean, they got, they got, you know, if they're getting three points against teams like Houston and New England, maybe they are going to be able to start picking up points against some of the lesser teams in the league. And then you never know what happens. On the flip side, we keep bringing it up. The Revs still have two open roster spots. The transfer deadline as far as bringing a player from outside of the league uh, onto the team has passed. So if they were paying for you know another player, uh, they would have had to have done that by now. Um, obviously nothing's been announced, so it doesn't look good on that front. Uh, they still have the chance to bring in any player out of contract or make a, a trade within the league, but they do still have two open roster spots. And particularly in a game uh, like Thursday night, it showed that they didn't really have the depth necessarily to bring on the field, someone that could change the game. I know there was a recent article on ResNet by Jim Dow, a very interesting article in which he interviewed Paul Mariner, talked about uh, they both agreed that they didn't have a player that they could bring in to kind of change the tempo. Didn't really have a player on the team that you know really slow down the game and change the tempo. A guy like Jose Cancela might have been that guy that they had in the past. They don't have that option on the bench anymore, and that's why it's really crucial that they probably bring in two players, particularly when they got rid of Daniel Hernandez. Uh, they cut him. It seemed like certainly they would have had a backup ready right away. That's what I thought when they cut him. That it was indi- indicative that they were going to make another quick move, uh, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, you think, you you know, they look at their bench, they got guys like Wells and, you know, Brian Byrne, young guys, you know, that have skill maybe for the future. But, you know, this year they're not really ready to come in and be an impact player. I mean, you have guys like Chrisman that can be, you know, maybe a one-for-one kind of switch, but he's not going to do much different than, you know, Tolman or Noonan. I mean, they play the same sort of style of game. So you don't have anyone that's really completely different. You don't have a guy like, you know, Shaloto, who they had a chance maybe to get earlier that, you know, just has a different style that really can, you know, challenge the other team to change their style against defending them. So, you know, as you said, they're pretty one-dimensional when they have to start bringing in guys like Wells and, you know, for Ralston, you're actually, you know, you're not bringing much difference and it's actually a step back at times. And particularly tonight where, according to the Globe, they're going to be missing Pat Noonan uh, and Steve Ralston. Uh, who does that leave them with? You know, say Adam Christman's starting up with Twelman. Uh, should Noonan really not be unavailable and Ralston be unavailable? Uh, if Wells Thompson come, goes out, you have a guy like Brian Byrne, who is supposedly, you know, is a guy that was ready to step up. He's, I believe he made his uh, debut shortly after signing off the bench, but I don't think he's played since then. Uh, so it's interesting to see that, you know, they have these players who haven't, are inexperienced really. They haven't used that many players uh, as far as in the starting lineup. So it'll be interesting tonight, particularly, if those two are out, you know, what happens if the Revs need to change something up if somebody gets tired? They don't have these that many experienced guys out there. There's a, Marshall, a guy like Marshall Leonard uh, on the bench. But we haven't seen too much from him this year. We've only seen him in the Open Cup, and he still doesn't necessarily look 100% as far as up to speed and you know ready to play back at this level yet. But it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Yeah, I mean, and you even saw a guy like James Riley come in, try to slot him back into the midfield, and that didn't work, you know, quite as well. I mean, he hasn't played there in a while. And, I mean, you look, you have a guy maybe like Gary Flood, and you can probably put new, or a doorman on the wing or something like that. But, I mean, there's really no one that you bring in and are like, oh, wow, he can really change the game. I mean, it's sort of just kind of guys that you can slide around and hope maybe get a spark, but it's no one that you know you're bringing in and are like, oh, can say, like, he can, you know, dead ball specialist, things like that. You know, there's no real shock and horror on the bench. And in a situation like that, you might rather have a guy like Hernandez with the experience you know, of all the we played, and a guy who is also pretty decent on the set pieces as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, Daniel Hernandez, you know, maybe he was injured for a while, but he always brought something different to the game, a little bit of tenacity, you know, and was very versatile. 
I, I mean, I understand why they had to cut him to, you know, keep his salary off the books, but you'd think if they were going to do that, then they would have had somebody else or maybe even be tempted to sign him back or something like that. But speaking of the uh, injury problems and the shortness on players, uh, looking at the suspension lists, uh, guys who were just one yellow card away on the Revs, there were actually four of them, Jay Heaps, Avery John, Shari Joseph, Justin Runtowitz. You know, one or two of those players comes out with a yellow card, and uh, Pat Noonan and Steve Ralston both aren't ready to go on on uh, next weekend, which, uh, by all accounts, Steve Ralston at least should be. We don't really know the full extent of Pat Noonan's injury. Uh, but sh- should two more players be, be gone from the lineup, uh, they'll really have some trouble, particularly, uh, say, they lose Jay Heaps and Avery John, who you slot in back there. You have James Riley, uh, but you don't really have another player there. And I believe the referee tonight, Jeremy Rufo, has a history of giving the Revs you know, lots of cards. So it could, might not be a great situation for the Revs out there, uh, particularly when right behind them they have Andy Dorman, James Riley, Kano Smith, and Wells Thompson, who are all two cards away. So really down the stretch, it makes you, you know, even more crucial that uh, that they have these two open roster spots that are going unused. Yeah, I mean, you look at that kind of a situation, and you come out of here, you know, even with one guy getting suspended, if it's a defender, then you're really, you know, you're limited if someone gets injured or something happens in the next game. You don't really have that much in the way of, you know, fourth. Or, you have a fourth defender, but you don't really have a fifth, and if that has to come into play, you're really in some, you know, in for some topsy-turvy kind of turns. Kansas City kind of having a similar problem as far as the the uh, yellow cards tonight, so that'll make tonight's game interesting to see, you know, if, if they go full out for it or if they're a little playing a little tentative trying to avoid the yellow. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm not sure how many yeah, games they have until they get their good grace period for some of the players, but, you know, you, you'd like to think that they would, you know, kind of put that to the back of their mind and kind of ignore it, but, it's an, you know, it's another situation where, you know, you know you're on your fourth card, and you sort of maybe pull up a little bit at the last second if you're going to have to make a last-second tackle. So, you know, maybe it is going to be a little more of a tentative game than normal. Uh, looking at the other results uh, that happened last night, uh, several big games. Another game going on right now, actually, Houston Dynamo versus FC Dallas, which certainly has some big implications as far as, you know, the Revs, if they go going for the supporters' shield. Dallas tied with them on points. I believe they now have a game in hand, actually, on the Revolution. And Houston, I believe, have two games in hand, though they're a couple points back. Uh, that game currently in the sixth minute, zero uh, zero. Looks like Houston has a full strength lineup. Uh, Dallas has a pretty strong lineup uh, outside of the goalkeeper position, where they're out both Shaka Islop uh, as well as Dario Sala. Uh, but there were several games last night, several big games. Beckham making his MLS debut start. He did actually, as we haven't mentioned yet, on Wednesday made the start against, uh, I believe it was DC United in the Super League action. Uh, Los Angeles coming out with a two nothing victory then. That game, DC really had the better of the play for a lot of the game, but didn't really take advantage of their good possession or their chances they had. Beckham scored a great free kick goal, as we've seen over and over again on television highlights, and then had a nice assist on Landon Donovan's later goal. Although uh, the defender there, I believe it was Josh Gross, should have done a little bit better on uh, cutting out that pass. Uh, But it's good to see Beckham finally get a start. Disappointing it didn't happen against uh, the Revolution and Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw exactly why what he can bring to a team. You know, he brings the leadership. He brings, you know, getting the captain's armband for that game. He brings the ability, you know, to change even, you know, a game where they're not really creating many chances. All it takes is one foul for them to really, you know, have a chance to take the one nothing lead, and that's all it really took. He hits that beautiful free kick, and all of a sudden it's one nothing, and it changes the whole complexion of the game. Now, you know, DC has to really start, you know, taking a couple extra chances, and it lets, you know, Beckham spring Donovan on that play. Maybe Gross could have maybe done better, but, you know, it's the way the battle bounces, and all of a sudden, you know, now it's Donovan, and he's a really good striker when he gets a good chance like that. So, you know, all of a sudden it's 2 nothing. And speaking of Beckham, I think this brings more 
you know, we weren't on last week, we did a podcast, but I think, speaking of Beckham, this brings more truth to the, you know, the rumor that the reason he wasn't playing was more because of the turf than his injured ankle. I know after the match, there were a couple players who were talking about that, uh, saying it was more the turf. Uh, Xavier, the defender, sounded like the reason he wasn't playing was because of the turf as well. He had a minor injury, but had it been grass, he probably would have been played. So uh, it'll be interesting to see as the league goes forward if turf is something that they you know, have to look at and decide that maybe we can't have this in the league. I mean, it's going to be tough for teams to really be, you know, outlawed from using the turf. I mean, it's still, you know, sort of kosher for FIFA international play. So, I mean, it'll be hard for them to really, you know, force teams to change that. I, I think, you know, it really would take a couple of years for that kind of a change to be implemented, especially with teams like, you know, New England and, you know, other teams like New York. I mean, until these stadiums are built, you really can't force them to truck in a new thing of uh, grass every game. Particularly uh, with Toronto building their soccer-specific stadium, you know, finishing that this year, and having turf in that one, uh, that that would certainly be an issue should the league decide to take action about that. Uh, but again, going back to last night's result, there was uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy taking on the New York Red Bulls. Again, we mentioned Beckham started that match, actually went the full 90 minutes, had two assists on two goals by Carlos Pavone. Pavone's really been a disappointment for the Galaxy this year, uh, but he did get off the mark there with two goals. Uh, really a crazy game, wide open match, completely different than the Revs match for uh, the Galaxy were more willing to sit back and defend and absorb the pressure rather than going forward looking more at counterattack. Uh, this game, they ended up with four goals, but the Red Bulls had five, so they ended up losing that match. <laughs> not, not a great match for defenders, but a very exciting match for the fans. Uh, disappointing for the Revs to see the Red Bulls picking up the full three points, particularly when they're coming in next weekend uh, to face the Revs. Yeah, definitely. I think you know you saw all the attacking power in that game come to life. You saw you guys like Angel, Pavone, Mathis, Altidore, Donovan. They all were getting on the score sheet. Even Bottle managed to equalize late in the game, only to have that turned around again. But uh, I mean, you saw all the attacking options, and not to take too too much away from the defenders, but you know, I mean, you're going to be facing those kind of guys, and if they decide, you know, we're just going to attack with all you know seven eight guys coming forward. You're going to see a score like that pop up. And then the uh, other two, there were other three matches actually last night. Uh, looking at the other one, big name signing, Blanco, uh, who hadn't done too much yet uh, for Chicago, but Chicago's been playing a lot better since he arrived. Had a goal and an assist uh, in Chicago's 2 nothing victory over Salt Lake. Uh, that important victory for Chicago, particularly on the road. Salt Lake obviously hasn't been playing that well, uh, but still, nonetheless, a very big victory uh, for Chicago. Yeah, definitely, and it was a great strike. I mean, top corner, no chance for the goalie to get to that one. And, I mean, that's the kind of thing. You bring in these big-time players, and you expect, you know, big-time goals in important matches, especially, you know, games games away from home, games that they're supposed to win. You know, they, the, the players like that, you know, step up, and they get you the three points. As we mentioned, there's some great new players in the league that have been doing this. And then go and look at the other game, D.C. United against Columbus Crew. Uh, not, not the big-name players like Blanco and Beckham, but Fred and Emilio, two guys coming in this year who uh, certainly aren't designated players, aren't making as much money as those two. Uh, great impact. Emilio, 14 goals, leads the league. Uh, he scored again against Columbus and a 2 nothing victory for D.C. United. Fred scoring also against Columbus. Also on the road this game uh, in Columbus. Columbus, a team that really turned things around lately themselves. Uh, but losing, losing this game, that kind of puts a dent uh, in their playoff hopes as far as teams catching up to them. They are still in a playoff position, but uh, a loss to D.C. at home. Uh, isn't going to be too good for them. Or on the other hand, D.C. United, this gives them another chance to catch up further to the revolution. Yeah, I mean, as you said earlier, you get guys like Fred and Emilio, maybe not the biggest names, but, you know, they've really been spurring the D.C. United uh, on, you know, in the cup run, even in the 
uh, Superliga everywhere. They've been playing well. I think, you know, it's just a matter of time before if they keep playing like this that they're going to be neck and neck with the Revs. And if not, even in the playoffs, it's going to be a tough matchup if they end up facing each other. And the final game of the night was Chivas USA at Toronto FC. Galindo scoring an early second half goal. He's really been a great player for Chivas. Another new new name into the league that's made a lot of difference for them. Uh, Toronto played pretty well to start the match, kind of against the run of play. Chivas scored, but then after that, Chivas kind of took control. Uh, Toronto now a team that's kind of playoff hopes slowly fading away. They they looked like they had turned things around, but recently they have not been playing as well at all. I believe now they lead the league in losses. Uh, first team to actually reach double digits already, but they actually have 11 losses now. Uh, they're at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're going to need to turn things around fast if they want to make the playoffs at this point with only nine games remaining. Yeah, definitely. I thought they, you know, they started slow. It seemed like they made a couple changes and really had hit a, you know, a pretty good stride in the, you know, mid to early part of the season. And then, you know, ever since then they sort of regressed a little bit and really found themselves dropping through the standings. I think they're you know, a bunch of points out of the last playoff spot, maybe seven or so, maybe, I think, in that area. So it's really time for them to either turn it around or just start looking towards next season. It's going to be a couple important games for them coming up. Chivas now, on the other hand, uh, played three last games in the Revolution, but they're only six points back uh, as far as this for the supporter shield and the overall standing. So they're a team to watch out for. They played well early in the season. Uh, they've actually beaten the Revolution and tied the Revolution in their two matches this year. So that that's certainly a team that... You know, maybe it could surprise some people, and who knows what they'll do come playoff time. Yeah, definitely. I think they have a you know they have a bunch of good players, even guys like Bornstein that play for the national team. So they've got talent all over the field, and you know guys like Galindo. And I mean, it only takes you know a couple guys to really start you know showing up for them, and they'll really be challenging even for Dallas and Houston out west. We are going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back uh, hopefully with Kyle McCarthy from MLS Net. And then we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming game against Toronto, uh, just a couple, just over a half hour away now. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams, Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. This is the game. Soccer football. Call it what you want it, the world's language. If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say ole, 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 ole. If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say ole, 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 ole. Me the ball, 
Dame la pelota. I'm burning down the field, getting hotter than a toaster. I flip fake and juke like Ronaldinho. Me, I'm just a man, but look at you, you're just a nino. When we go, a 4-3-3 should be illegal. Cause we be making plays while you're hogging it like Schmigo. Your ego is just too big to catch the stilo. Jogo bonito, you hit the ground like Louis Figo. Oh no, oh no, watch me give and go. Now I'm weaving through the D like I'm the Ronaldo. If you could only see, I'm Tati with the shot of Thierry Henry. If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say ole, ole, oh, ole, ole, oh. If you live for the game and it runs in your veins, say ole, ole, oh, ole, And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined here in studio by Dave Ackman. And now over the phone, we have Kyle McCarthy of MLSNut.com. Kyle, can you hear me? Yes, Sean. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, anytime. Looking forward to it. We were just talking about the uh, Revolution's defensive inconsistencies this year. Uh, the eight shutouts, but at the same time, five games where they've given up three or more goals. They really have kept together the same you know, core of three or four players. Uh, why do you think that they've had such problems you know, on the, on the road and at home especially uh, with inconsistencies there? You know, I, I think if you ask Steve Nichols, he would probably point a lot to the, the inconsistencies in the flank play. I mean, so much of what the Revolution does defensively has to do with defending in all facets of the field. And when they're getting such spotty flank play, the, the pressure ends up sagging back on that back three. And for sure that some of the individual performances haven't been up to standard at points this year. But a lot of it has to do with getting back defensively. We, I mean, we know that Kenny's not really a, a defensive stalwart. And um, when Wells has been out there, I mean, we saw Wells on Thursday night and what he brings to the table defensively. So, you know, I would pin a lot of it on, on the flank play right now. And looking at that game on Thursday, uh, the Revolution now have had you know, two games in less than two weeks and where they've given up three goals and, and haven't scored, uh, particularly the home game against D.C. And Colorado a little more understandable at the altitude with the busy schedule. Uh, do you think it's, is this schedule that is part of the excuse for why the Revolution haven't been performing as well as expected? Well, I, I think the schedule is, is a concern. I mean, they're playing a lot of games. Um, and... But part of the problem is there's not enough squad depth because you can't rotate players. I mean, look at the the Open Cup game last week uh, against Harrisburg. I mean, that's a game that you point to and you say, well, you know, we would love to be able to play X amount of players in this game and go out and know we can get a result. Uh, But the depth just isn't there at this point to go out and make sure you get that result. And, you know, the Revolution coaching staff decided that they wanted to go out and have a chance to get that trophy but they had to use their starters to get through against Harrisburg. So, you know, that's adding in another game to this already hectic MLS schedule at the moment, and it's just causing all sorts of problems. Exactly, and they have the two open roster spots that they have yet to fill. They've been open for, what, two months now, uh, and they released a guy like Daniel Hernandez, who certainly could have you know, played a big role in that Harrisburg game, giving a guy like Sharu Joseph some much-needed rest. You have to question their decision to release uh, Hernandez, obviously, saved them money on his contract. He hadn't been playing much. In that sense, it made sense. But particularly down the stretch, he's a guy that they could have used. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things that go into the Hernandez thing. One, Hernandez's cap number, according to the MLS Players Union, is about 160 grand. 
Uh, that's a lot to pay for a defensive midfielder when you've already got Shalry Joseph. Uh, number two, Hernandez, you know, was injured, didn't go through preseason, didn't really do much there, um, was struggling to find his full fitness, and he really wasn't to the point when they released him where he would have been able to feature in a game. He was getting there, but he wasn't quite all the way there. It probably would have been another couple of weeks until he featured. You know, and the third thing is, when Hernandez was ready to come back, he wasn't going to be a starter. You know, he yeah. was behind Laurentowitz, he was behind Joseph, and Danny Hernandez is not the kind of guy who's going to sit on the bench quietly and, you know, wait his turn. He's not the the type of guy who's willing to wait. He knows he can play, and he went, he can go somewhere else and play. So, I mean, that's not a good situation for anyone involved in terms of team chemistry and in terms of the best use of the allocation of resources that the Revolution have. Well, looking at the lineup tonight, Pat Noonan and Steve Rawson, both on the bench, I don't know uh, as far as injury status, if they if Nichols going to be ready to willing to play them tonight if that's going to risk further injury. Uh, but the lineup tonight missing those two players, uh, and looking at the bench, uh, should Noonan and Ralston not be available to play, they only really have two guys who've seen any MLS action this season in Riley and Flood. And, you know, that's got to be disappointing for a coach to look at his bench and not, not have the guys with that, that kind of experience to come out and you know, change a game. Yeah, and I mean, you said it right there, Sean. That's a perfect point. I mean, there's just nothing on the bench at this point. I mean, you look at you look at look at Houston's lineup that they put out there tonight. They're missing Ryan Cochran. They're missing Brad Davis. Uh, but the guys that can get to step in, they got Patrick Iani, who was um, on loan in the USL First Division. They brought him back and started playing him immediately. And they've also got Nate Jaquay in reserve, who can step up and play. And um, Mulrooney has been in and out of the lineup. And they decided to rest Wybell tonight, so um, so Mulrooney plays. I mean. You know, you, you just contrast the depth that Houston has and with New England, and granted, New England's got some injuries right now. You've got Noonan out. You've got Ralston out. But, you know, you're talking about if Steve Nichol has his druthers, he'd love to get through the season with probably playing 13 or 14 guys, and you just can't do it with this kind of fixture congestion. Exactly, and as you mentioned, talking about Houston as the perfect example, uh, they were able to rest Brian Ching and Dwayne DeRosario a couple of games this season, including a game on the road against Chicago that they still managed to win, I believe, three to nothing. Uh, I think if the Reds were to take out Taylor Twelman and Andy Dorman, basically the uh, two equivalent players from them, uh, no way would they be able to go go away to these games and have the replacements that would still get these big wins. Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult, and I, I know the Revolution coaching staff. You know, we've talked about it that. You know, they try and try and get guys in. But, you know, with a team like this, you have to be so careful with the chemistry. Uh, you want to make sure you bring in the absolute perfect guy. And part of the problem is you, you can't always find that perfect guy. And, you know, I'm, they've looked at some things and they tried to get some things done. They went to South America, tried to bring in a guy, and it fell through. And, you know, that's that's how it is. But, you know, they're going to be cautious with bringing somebody in. And, you know, you know, you know they need to have some people in, but they're just not going to go out and grab a couple of guys and throw them on the roster. Well, that's a good point. They, as you mentioned, there has been word that they have looked at players, and Nickel mentioned a guy that uh, they really tried hard and made a big offer to that they didn't sign. Uh, but at this point in the season, they have had a while now since those two roster spots were open. Uh, is a little, a little disheartening that they haven't been able to find someone who willing to come to the team yet. 
that that would be a good fit that wouldn't disrupt the chemistry. Not necessarily a designated player. I think that might be unrealistic at this point uh, for the refs to sign this point in the season. But uh, just a player who could add some depth, maybe compete with a guy like Tano Smith for time on the left flank uh, or Wells Thompson. But uh, they have been able, unable to do that so far. Yeah, that's just kind of a poo-poo platter they've been playing in the left flank. There's a little bit of Thompson. I mean, you know, you want a guy who can go out there. I mean, for me, that's your problem spot right there, is left flank, because you're not getting any consistent play. And then you become unbalanced, because you've got Ralston on the right wing. And while Ralston's not always flashy, he is extremely steady in his play. He rarely has a great game, but he also rarely has a poor game. So you've got a guy who you know what you're getting every time out. You don't know that when you've got either Thompson or Smith on the field. They're a boom-bust pairing is what they are. I mean, Smith can come out and look like the best left midfielder in the northern hemisphere and then come out the next game and look like he shouldn't be playing in USL too. So, I mean, it's difficult, and you'd like to bring someone in for consistency's sake, but, I mean, England's been searching for a left-sided midfielder for 15 years. Left-sided midfielders are very difficult to come by. Yeah, absolutely. Guys like, uh, particularly when you look through the league, the lineups, there aren't that many uh, good left midfielders in the, in the league. You think of a guy like Brad Davis, and then you, you know you have really trouble coming up with that many uh, good options on the left flank. So not that surprising the Reds haven't been able to find one. No, I mean you got Brad Davis, you got apparently Colin Clark in Colorado, yep. and um, uh, Matt in Chicago who can also play out there. I mean. I mean, there aren't that many great left-sided players. And and when you want a left-sided player, they're expensive to acquire, and everybody wants them. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's difficult. And, I mean, if you're going to take a flyer, I mean, why not take a flyer on a guy like Kano Smith, who's big and gangly, he's got some pace, he's willing to go at defenders, but you know he's not going to work back defensively like you need him to, and you know that he's not always going to come out and be consistent. I mean, but those are the choices you have, and... The other option is if Ralston's healthy, you slide him over to the left and you find somebody to play right mid. I mean, those are your options right now. Well, particularly, Kano Smith has looked good uh, coming off the bench as a you know later game substitute running at tired legs. Certainly that's a role that he's looked well suited for. Uh, starting not con- on a consistent basis uh, hasn't necessarily been great for him. Uh, but particularly a night like tonight where Steve Ralston's out, you got Wells Thompson and Kano Smith both starting on the wings. Uh, it really seems to take away from the Revolution's midfield play, it's setting up guys like uh, Twelman who don't really create their own chances that much. Yeah, no, and Twelman is a a fox in the box. Uh, He's a true striker in the sense that he cleans up loose loose stuff in the area and puts it in the net. I mean, that's what he does, but he needs service, whether it's in the air or to his feet. You know, Pat Noonan's the same way, although Noonan's a little bit more creative. He can drop back down. Um, Adam Chrisman likes the ball at his feet so he can run with the ball. Um, yeah. He's a little bit different with Ben Twelman in that respect. But all three are united because they're not all going to drop way back into midfield and then start running at people. They need balls to their feet or to their heads in the air. And, you know, without service, it's impossible. I mean, I, it's going to be interesting to see what Steve Nichol throws out there tonight. I'm suspecting he might go with a 4-4-2 from the start. And we've seen the Revs face Kansas City twice. Uh, so far this year, the first one very disappointing at home, uh, four to three loss. The way the defense played in that game, but then the next matchup, 17 days ago, which is actually the last match Kansas City has played, surprisingly based on how this you know crazy league schedule has been this year. Uh, but that game, the refs held Kansas City scoreless, 
and uh, beat them two to nothing. I thought that was the best performance the Revs have had uh, all year as far as defensively. They really limited Kansas City to all shots outside the box, and they're a team that has you know, some great offensive pre- power with a guy like Eddie Johnson, uh, lots of speed, speed to beat really anyone on the Revolution defense and really just about anyone in the league. Uh, but they did a great job of containing him in that match. You know, which team do you think we're going to see tonight out there? Well, I, who knows? I would think that they're going to be pretty angry. I would think that they're going to line up with four at the back, and James Riley will come in, and you'll choose from one of either Smith or Thompson in the midfield. Um, the lineup's actually out now, and Riley is on the bench. So there looks like they're going surprising. with another three-five-two. Yeah. So uh, that's um, that's a little bit surprising. The um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, a lot depends on how Michael Parkhurst plays. I mean, so much of what the Revolution trying to do defensively is through Michael Parkhurst. Michael Parkhurst didn't have a very good game on Thursday night. Got beat pretty badly on the third goal. And you know. Michael Parkhurst is the, is the linchpin. You know what you're getting with Avery John. Avery John's a physical presence. You know he does his job, and he's not going to commit anything really egregious in terms of errors. Heaps has been a little shaky the last four to five weeks, but he's generally a solid defender. So much of it comes from Michael Parkhurst and his tactical ability and his ability to find the right spots. And the problem with Kansas City is that Kansas City's forward line is set up so that it takes advantage of the Revolution back line's one major weakness, and that's speed. Uh, Eddie Johnson can get right in behind. Davey Arnault can get right in behind. Uh, Scott Seeley, if he plays, can get in behind. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Revolution de- deals with the speed. In the first game this year, Eddie Johnson just started running by everybody. Second game, Revs keep him in front and really limit their chances. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out tonight. In Kansas City, you also have the uh, new signing midfielder forward uh, from Columbia, I believe, uh, Ilo Col- Colombano. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what role he plays in the match. They have a, a strong bench this game. Sasha Victorine on the bench, uh, Scott Sealy on the bench. Certainly some guys the Revs you know, could use to have some depth uh, like that. Even Kansas City, a team that seems to have some good depth, especially going into this game. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Kansas City's lineup. You know, for me, one of the most important things for them has been the play of a couple of young guys stepping up and really showing that they can contribute. And Michael Harrington, yeah. left-sided midfielder, who's been pretty good so far this season. And Yura uh, Moisevician, uh, the Azerbaijani um, from out of L.A. And he's, both of those players have given Kansas City depth to the point where you can put Victorine and Seeley on the bench. You've got Ryan Raybould on the bench, who's played this year. You've got Kurt Morsink on the bench, who's played this year and been okay. And now you've got Colombano on the bench. They think he can play. Now you're looking at a squad of 16 or 17 players, and you can look down the bench, and it's minute 65 or minute 70, and you want to make a difference. You've got a couple of options, as opposed to one option or zero options. So, I mean, I like what has done in terms of building his squad and really going forward with his team to a point where Kansas City looks better than they have been in the last four or five years. And Victorine on the bench, actually their team leader in assists, Revolution's team leader in assists, and league leader in assists, of course, Steve Rawson, who will be out this match, as we previously mentioned. Uh, that really does hurt the team's wing play. Uh, but again, looking at the lineup, with Pat Newman out, he's combined so well with Taylor Twelman in the past. Obviously, Crispin's had a good year as a rookie, uh, but that's really another thing that's going to hurt the Revs tonight, probably, is uh, not having Pat Newman in the lineup, a guy who has created uh, several of Twelman's goals, especially some of Twelman's recent goals. Yeah, you know, and Newton and Twelman just work so well together. They have this sort of sixth sense. They know where each other are going to be. 
for me, Twelman and Crispin are a little too similar, and they they don't work as well together. But I mean, they both can score, and that's important in this league. There are teams who can't put out two strikers who can score at the same time. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> to have Crispin off the option as off the bench as a third option is fantastic for New England, and they really um, are lucky that Crispin has emerged. Um, to give them that option. Will this be a 5-4 game? Probably not. I mean, we're looking at 1-1, 2-1 kind of game tonight. But, you know, who really knows when you when you get these two teams together? And it'll be, certainly be interesting to see exactly how healthy Noonan and Rawson, both on the bench, uh, will be for this game. Either of them come off the bench, certainly make a big difference uh, as a substitute. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, Marshall Leonard, a guy that we haven't seen any of in league play, a little bit of an open cut play, uh, but ha- didn't show too much in his two Open Cup games, particularly against Harrisburg, uh, against a weaker weaker opponent. Uh, there's another guy that could slot in on the left flank uh, that maybe would, in a game like this, particularly where they have several injuries, w- wouldn't be too surprising to see him. You know, I, I think if we were going to see Marshall Leonard, I think we would have seen him already. Uh, I think that he's probably to the point where I don't know if we're going to see him in league play this year from what I've seen from him in the two Open Cup games and, you know, in, in training. I'm just not sure he's he's up to it at this point. Yeah, which is disappointing because uh, he has been a starter for the team in the past. Yeah, and, you know, it's got to be frustrating for Marshall because he's he had really established himself and then he, you know, hurt his Achilles and then it just, it's all kind of gone pear-shaped for him and, you know, you had hoped he could come back and give the team some depth, but, uh, you know, he's at the point where you're probably going to flood off the bench and Riley, and that's about it. Well, looking again at the lineup and uh, Adam Chrisman, uh, he's been a guy that leads the team uh, as far as fouls suffered, but recently it seems like refs have been more hesitant to call fouls uh, when he goes down. Do you think they've kind of um, maybe looked at that stat and seen him as a rookie and, you know, aren't giving him the calls they used to been giving him? You know, it's not a fact. Chrisman doesn't dive. No, he you certainly know, doesn't, but he does go down maybe easier than you know some guys his size do. You know, it, it has not, it's nothing that he actually does. He's just not very strong. You know, you think looking at a big guy like that, he's, he's a bull and, you know, he can run through lots of tackles and do sorts of things. Like, that's not what Chrisman does. Like, he's not physically strong. He doesn't hold the ball up as well as you would expect for someone of that size. But he also goes to goal a little better. He's better with the ball at his feet. So, you know, it, it's an odd statistic because he falls to the ground easily, and you think he might be diving, but he's really not. He's just not particularly strong. Well, certainly in Thursday night's game, there were a couple of times I saw him go down that were clearly fouls, but the ref just waved him off and didn't call him. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is. You know, and you know when officials prepare for these games, they they know the players, and they you know they do intensive scouting probably in the two weeks before the game, you know, they're like, they look at the stats and they look at the teams and, you know, they understand these sorts of things and, and they look at that stat and they're like, Crispin draws lots of fouls. Why does he do that? So we go back and look at the tape and, you know, well, he's kind of flimsy on the ball sometimes and he gets knocked over and he gets the call, you know, and that's, that's what happens. And maybe referees are at the point now where there's a body of work established and Crispin just isn't getting the benefit of the doubt that he was earlier in the season because he was an unknown quantity. Well, looking at the team uh, and going through the rest of the season, do you think they do have what it takes to you know, finish out the season strong and 
uh, even with kind of their lack of depth, make it to the MLS Cup final again and maybe win it this year? I don't think that this team as presently constituted is an MLS Cup winning team. I think this team as presently constituted is a team that should go far in the playoffs. Uh, but I think this team needs one or two players if they want to challenge uh, for the trophy. I, I think Dallas and Houston um, have more depth at this point. Uh, when you look at Dallas's most recent run, they haven't had Juan Toha. And Juan Toha is by far their best player, yet they're still going out and doing it. They're getting it done. Look at what happened with the Revolution on Thursday night. They're missing Steve Ralston, who is one of their most important players, but not the most important player on their team. And you saw what happened there. I mean, that's the difference between Dallas and Houston and New England right now. Well, we have seen the Revs get a big win against uh, Toronto, 3 or nothing without Ralston, but uh, I think that, that was more against... It's also Toronto. Exactly, exactly, against a weaker team. Uh, but uh, we will let you go in just a second. Before we do, do you, uh, you know you write for MLSNet, and you have some articles for Goal.com as well. Uh, can you tell us anything you have planned coming up this week? Yeah, um, I write a, a weekly column on Goal.com. Uh, it appears on Mondays. It's an MLS wrap-up. You can look for that first thing Monday morning when you get into work. Also, I just started a blog uh, a couple weeks ago for Goal.com. You can get that off the, the Goal.com U.S. homepage. So if you're looking for... You know, your standard MLS fair, that's where you need to look, gold.com. We're doing a lot of good things. Mark Connolly and, and Greg Lawless are really driving things. and You know, we've got some some real good things going on, on the site, so I encourage everybody to check it out and really uh, give us a hard look, and you'll be pleasantly surprised with, with the type of stuff we've been churning out. It's It's been really fantastic. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Anytime, Sean. Have a good one. You too. Again, that was uh, Kyle McCarthy, for a writer for MLSNet, and as you mentioned, Gold.com. We are going to take another quick break here, and we'll be back to talk a little bit more about the upcoming game now for the Revolution that kicks off in just over 10 minutes at this point. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams, Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com, covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue here, joined by Dave Ackman. Uh, again, the Revolution with a game uh, just minutes away now uh, against the Kansas City Wizards. The Wizards uh, trailing the Revolution in the standings, but the Wizards have had 17 days off. Meanwhile, the Reds have played four games in that stretch. Uh, so certainly a well-rested Wizards team, but maybe a little rusty from such a long break. Yeah, I mean, it can play both ways. I think you're going to see the Revs probably come out a little bit, you know, probably a little bit tired. But then you've got, you know, KC who probably has, you know, maybe had a couple reserve matches or something like that, but nothing really... 
you know, competitive. So, you know, they could start the game a little bit slower. Maybe they come out full of energy. And I mean, it's one of those things where it can play either way for a team. And Kansas City does have two games in hand on the Revolution and are seven points back. So really an important game for the Revs, uh, particularly with D.C. United now only three points back well, with two games in hand. So uh, if the Revs really do want to make a play for the uh, Supporter Shield and the best re- overall regular season record uh, heading into the playoffs, uh, this is a big, huge six-pointer for the team. Yeah, and I think even beyond that, if they're not even shooting for the you know the Supporter Shield, even if they just want to get home field for the playoffs matchup, you know, it's important not to start slipping into that third spot if KC starts, you know, passing them along with DC. So I think they really need to start, you know, if they're not even, you know, going to beat out one of the West Conference teams, you know, they still want to probably get first or second in their conference. And as you mentioned with Dallas, uh, who've been playing really well lately, uh, also without Kenny Cooper for a long time now due to injury, as well as Wontoha. They're playing very well right now in Houston. Uh, sounds like they're the better team in that match. Uh, so they're right now tied with the Revolution. Uh, for first in the overall standings, uh, which makes this game even more important should Dallas go ahead and get a win tonight. Yeah, I think, you know, Dallas is going to probably have a little bit of a tough time in in Houston. I don't know, maybe they're, you know, they're about to enter halftime 0-0, so, you know, anything can still happen in that match. But, you know, I think the Revs can't really be scored watching at this point. they got to, you know, go in and just try to improve on the game that they put up earlier this week. And, again, it is disappointing that uh, the Revs don't have uh, don't have the ability to make changes after such a poor performance maybe drop a player and bring somebody up and you know maybe get that player you know angry and want to push him harder to work his way back into that starting lineup yeah you know i think you know that kind of a motivation tactic would be nice you know we've seen it happen in other times you know look at even beckham you know he comes back working harder and he's you know took off for real madrid when he was back there and got dropped so i think you know that there that is definitely a strategy that works but you know you have to be able to have someone to slot in there for him you can't just do it just to do it yeah absolutely uh there was talk that for a while now, about the uh, two Gambian players who went on trial uh, that might be signing for the Revs. Haven't really heard much about that lately. Uh, surprised, actually, that it sounded like a, that was deal was going to happen, but uh, it's gone a little bit silent on that front. Uh, those two players were, were big players for the Gambia in the Under-20 World Cup, actually scattered by Nicolin Mariner, which uh, was good to hear, and then brought in on trial and performed well. Uh, one of them, good with his left foot, scored in a left-footed free kick uh, in that World Cup. Uh, he's a guy that maybe could step in obviously a younger player, more of a more of an impact in the future maybe, but he's a guy that maybe could step in and see some minutes on the left flank uh, and also provide a danger uh, for the Revolution on these free kicks with his left foot, as we've talked about in the past. Uh, area where the Revs haven't done that well this year, free kicks, and even in past years haven't done that well on. Yeah, I mean, I think you see, you know, Laurentowitz gets that goal against Real Salt Lake, but I mean, even looking at their corners, I mean, they, I forget how long they went earlier this year without scoring a free or corner kick goal. I mean, that, so those are the kind of plays where you need to get points, especially on the road against, you know, tough teams. That's where you see, you know, good teams get their points. I mean, it's tough to score from the run of play, so you really need to make those dead dead balls important. You've seen how good Beckham's done without in his, in his short time in the league, with two assists off free kicks, uh, the the goal off the free kick in the Super League of play. A uh, bit much to ask for somebody of his quality and consistency uh, on those free kicks. But still, particularly when you have a guy who can line up with his left foot uh, and his right foot, that makes the defense have to think harder about it. That's a guy like Joe Franchino that they've had in the past who could do that, uh, an area where they've missed him, as I've mentioned before. Uh, so it, it would help a lot if they could bring in uh, more dimensions on these free kicks, even with Laurentiis and Ralston. You know both of them are going to go at it with their right foot. That's true. You have two guys stepping over the ball, and, you know, it, it just opens up options. It gets maybe the wall to, to flinch if you have someone run over it, or, you know, you can get a different angle in on the on the cross, depending if you want an in-swinger or an out-swinger. So, you know, having those options is always important. But, 
you know, you, you, you really don't have that at this time. Looking at the Revs' upcoming schedule, uh, it does get a lot easier as far as fixture congestion, not necessarily as far as the opponents are playing. Certainly the Red Bulls next week are going to be a very hard opponent, but not too many midweek games. Actually, after the Red Bulls game, I believe they have uh, 11 or 12 days rest before the U.S. Open Cup semifinal uh, against Carolina Railhawks. So th- they will have the midweek game then, but then again, no more no more real weeks where they have the two or three games, you know, weekend, you know, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Wednesday game weeks. So it's going to be a lot better for the Revolution as far as getting some players rested and maybe getting some more players more healthy. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, they, they went through this stretch where, you know, it's been really tough. You know, you get three games a week for a while, and that just really starts taking its toll on teams, especially when you had guys like Twelman all gone for the national team for the Gold Cup earlier in the summer. So, you know, it all starts to add up for these guys. So, you know, I think once they get into this maybe, you know, time where they can get a couple guys, you know, rested, it'll be better. And they do have some guys for the reserves who have been out injured as well, like Arsenoka, who made a, who made his debut with the first game of the season, hasn't played since. Uh, there's a real speedy guy that can kind of change a game off the bench, adds a lot of pace to the Revolution attack, uh, done well for the reserves this year, and he's been a guy who's been out injured, just only recently got healthy. It'll be interesting to see uh, if he has any kind of impact down the road, maybe off the bench as a player who can kind of change the look of the Revolution attack. Yeah, I think you saw uh, on the game against uh, Colorado, we bring a guy like Cummings in with just pure speed, and you see how that opens up the defense. It lets you know long balls that are run onto really become really dangerous. I think you get a guy like Chrisman who doesn't have quite the speed, and it's not, you know, he gets his goals, like, you know, late in the game, but it's just still not the same. But he also has looked faster than some of the other, you know, Revolution forwards out there. Uh, Certainly not a slow guy at all in Chrisman, and, Mm -hmm. you know, fairly big guy, too. Uh, He's done real well in his time for the Revs this year, so it will be interesting to see what he does back in the starting lineup for the Revs tonight. Guy really deserves probably deserves another start for the Revs the way he had been playing. Yeah, definitely. I think you look at that game with... uh, when it was him and Noonan, and he got that goal early on the same kind of a play where he gets the breakout goal. So I think, you know, he, he makes his runs well, and he times them well, and if you can get a couple of through balls to him, he can be dangerous. One guy that we haven't seen uh, much of that was drafted in the first round, uh, Michi Igwe, a guy who played left back for the under-20 national team and uh, as a substitute mostly, but uh, he's another guy that maybe could add something to this team off the bench, but uh, we haven't seen him yet, so... It's interesting to see what the coaches think about him. Maybe he's the guy for the future. Uh, but a guy drafts in the first round. Too bad we haven't. He hasn't been able to contribute this year. Yeah, I think you know if it ends up being to the point where a guy like John and you know Riley do get suspended or something like that, I think it might be time for him to step in. And I'm not sure if he'd be ready. Again, the Revolution game tonight kicks off at eight o'clock. Uh, we do have to wrap things up here. We will be on next week again at seven eight o'clock eight p.m. Uh, the game tonight on TV thirty eight. Uh, should be a very interesting game, seeing the Revolution's lineup out there and how that performs, coming off a very disappointing loss on Thursday. And again, the Re- Revolution had struggled against Kansas City throughout the years, had a losing record against Kansas City. Their win uh, 17 days ago was actually the first win at Gillette Stadium the Revs have had against Kansas City. So a good rivalry there against the Eastern Conference opponent. Uh, but we are going to wrap things up now. I'd like to thank Dave for joining us today on the show. I'd like to thank Kyle for coming on earlier. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for having me. years of service to the Blackstone Valley, this is WNRI Woonsocket. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.